Your Locked On Maple Leafs. Your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Leafs Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive. Hit me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Leave a rating review as well. That would be much appreciated. All right, folks, it's game day here in Maple Leafs land as we travel to Montreal in what should be a really quality hockey game. We haven't played Montreal since night one of uh, of our season, and the Maple Leafs, they looked okay. You know, big game out of Willie Nylander, um, but ultimately I felt that Toronto was outplayed that game actually by Montreal. But I think that they've they've found their legs since then. And they're playing a much better product, putting a much better product out on the ice since then. So I think it's a really good litmus test here for both of these clubs, both Montreal and Toronto, who are really starting to separate themselves within the Canadian division. And after just, you know, putting on absolute clinic against teams like Ottawa, teams like, um, you know, uh, Edmonton and Calgary and Vancouver for both this week. You know, it's nice that uh, we'll get a good opportunity to see where these two teams stack up against each other, right? I think it's going to be important to kind of see where they stand if, you know, the playoffs were now and and that's who we would be playing. There's, There's... I think it's a no-brainer at this point in the season. Things could certainly change. It's a long season. Injuries could occur, and teams can go on heaters, or you know, teams could just lose whatever luster they've got going on right now. But you know, as of now, early on in the season, it's Toronto and Montreal neck and neck for one and two, not only in the standings but also just in in terms of play. So I'm excited to see what tonight can bring us. I think this is going to be a really good matchup uh, for for Toronto to kind of see where we're. At. If you can get a, a win here, um, I think that'll that'll go a long way, especially coming off a game where it was kind of a trap game, I would say, uh, in the last win against Vancouver. Yeah, we escaped with two points, but they didn't play very well, right? The first, I would say, 45 minutes, they were severely outplayed by, by the Canucks. That can't happen here in Montreal. They'll make you pay. Because if you come out flat-footed, they're going to score goals, they're going to grind you down, and then they're going to shut it down, and you're not going to be able to do anything once they build upon a lead. So, you know, I'll get to uh, to my my uh, my three keys to the game in just a little bit because actually we're going to uh, we're going to a crossover show. So I I was asked to join um, Laura Saba and also Scott Matla from Locked On Canadians. So I'm going to share. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and play that right now. This is our conversation about what's going on in Leafland, what's going on with the Canadians, and then we also both do our three keys to victory for each team. So without further ado, here it is. We are here, Locked On Canadians and Locked On Leafs, and we want to preview the... It's it's a series for on the Canadian side because they have a game tonight, and then they have a game on Saturday, and then the Canadians play no games. And then they have a game against the Leafs again, uh, seven days after the second game. So we thought that we would uh, we would get together and and talk about this game. So I am Laura Saba, as you know. I'm sitting here with Scott Matla, as always, and we are 
so lucky to be joined by Lockdown Leafs host Mikey DiStefano. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Laura. How are you? We are great. A little bit apprehensive about this upcoming series because I think this is the this is when the truth comes out. Yeah. For us. I think both teams, to be honest, I, I think that this is uh, the Maple Leafs and the Canadians are really starting to separate themselves from the rest of the division. And I, I get the sense that there are some people out there that keep harping and keep kind of saying, yeah, well, the Leafs and Canadians, they haven't played each other as much. So, of course, they're just beating up on the crappy teams. Let's see how good they really are when they play good teams, when they play each other. So I'm excited that this could be kind of a litmus test for both sides. Do you think the series is going to be relatively even? Uh, I, I think so. Like I, I'm, I'm like really impressed by what the Canadians have been able to do. Um, you know, I thought they personally played better than the Maple Leafs did in, in the long game that they played to start the season. Uh, obviously, Toronto came away with the, with the the two points and Montreal just the one with the OT loss. But I thought that Montreal played great. They've been outstanding uh, all season long. You, you guys are rolling all four lines, getting contributions from everybody. Uh, you're doing the, the little things right. Your penalty kill has scored, what, seven goals, I think, so far this year. <laughs> like, Montreal is just hit, clicking on all cylinders right now. Nothing is going wrong for that team. Um, and it's certainly going to be a, an exciting, exciting uh, matchup this week. So uh, something that I wanted to ask you about a little bit, and this is also something that Scott wanted to discuss, is that the Canadians have had everything, almost everything go right for them. They've been really lucky so far. Yeah. I'm always knocking on wood when we discuss this on, on our show. Uh, the Leafs have run into quite a bit of bad luck in the early going. Um. I wouldn't say they've run into uh, a lot of bad luck. Um, you know, early on in the season, they had a couple of games where they didn't play too, too well. Um, most notably the, the loss against the senators, which funny enough, eh, the, the Leafs and the, and the Canadians, the two top teams, <laughs> in the division, the only two teams that Ottawa has been able to beat this year. But anyways, um, you know, outside of that one game, I would say the Leafs have been pretty consistent. They, they they've played, pretty solid so far and I, I wouldn't say they've they haven't gotten a lot of luck I mean this is pretty much this is coming from a guy who over the last few years has suffered from a lot of bad luck losses so I think maybe it, when you stack it up to how things have gone in the past I'll take what's going on this year because even if you know they are getting a little bit of bad luck they're winning games and and, and that's something that uh, you can't complain about too much. And on the Canadian side, we talked a little bit last week, actually. We had an episode with Sean Tierney of Charting Hockey before he got hired by some mysterious organization and, and <laughs> took himself completely offline. But one of the things that we were talking about were the, was the Canadians' shooting percentage was just so inconsistent. They're just not inconsistent, sorry. Uh, so, so much higher than expected. I don't want to say inconsistent. It's been consistently higher than expected. Um, and we do expect them to come back down to earth at some point. But even if they do, like one of the things that we were talking about is that they generate enough ch shots and chances and high danger chances that we still expect them to be relatively consistent in, in being able to, to play well for the rest of the season. So I, I guess my question here uh, to you is going to be, how do the Leafs defend against the depth that the Canadians have? That's the big question that I think the Leafs are, are, you know, need to answer is can they 
go up against that depth. And it's unfortunate because Toronto suffered some injuries. Nick Robertson went down. Uh, then Joe Thornton went down and now Wayne Zim's going to be out for six weeks. And I know some people out of the market may say, well, you know, those guys coming into the year weren't supposed to factor into the team, but they have actually not so much Nick Robertson, but I mean, you had Joe Thornton on the top line. Uh, Wayne Simmons had worked his way up to, to the, to the uh, second line was playing on the power play was getting some PK minutes. So, you know, it's, it's going to be tough trying to, um, play a team like Montreal, A, because Montreal plays pretty physical and they have some tough guys. And people like Joe Thornton and, and Wayne Simmons were brought in to kind of um, match that type of toughness and that aggressiveness. So they've got to have guys step up. Um, I'm looking at a guy like maybe Ilya Mikheyev, who is going to keep is, is getting pushed up onto the second line with um, John Tavares and William Nylander. So uh, the thing that I like, though, is that Toronto has played pretty sound as of late, you know, and, and it's been a full team effort. I'm not going to go ahead and say that they're as deep as the Montreal Canadiens, but they're getting uh, some pretty solid play from a majority of their guys. And when it comes to playing, you know, one-on-one matchups, I think Austin Matthews has been an elite two-way center and the leaps that he's taken over the course of now about a year, it seems like um, he's really taken his game to a next level when it comes to being a complete player. And somebody like him is going to have to really uh, step up and shut down that top line of Suzuki. And I think that he's going to be up to the task. I suppose that's my question is because Toronto we know and we've known this forever is that their big four are almost unmatched across the league and everything. Does Montreal's depth, if they can kind of weather the Matthews, uh, Nylander, and Marner storm, the guys who've been playing very well, is Montreal's depth that third line that might have Yol Armia back uh, for that game with Kotkaniemi and Toffoli or the fourth line with Byron and Lekkonen who've been playing well, shorthanded as well. Is that where Montreal's advantage is that they got to kind of subdue 100%. the top two lines as best they can and win with their depth? 100%. And if you think about, you know, early in the season, our third line consisted of Mikheyev, Hyman, and Alex Kerfoot. Well, now that is not the case with the injuries. Hyman's up on the top line, Kerfoot's on the second line. And now I think it was Jimmy VC playing alongside uh, Kerfoot last night. So it's, it's certainly um, the depth in Toronto in the bottom six are, are going to have to try and withstand the pressures from the, the bottom six depth out in Montreal, uh, in Montreal. That certainly is an advantage that you guys have out there. That being said, I mean, the, this top six though in Toronto and more specifically, the the Austin Matthews line, and maybe even Austin Matthews himself, you know, they're scoring at a, a, an all-time rate right now. This guy scored in eight straight games. So regardless, even if, you know, the bottom six ends up giving up a couple of goals to, to Montreal's bottom six, I still think that the the big horses here in Toronto will be able to, to kind of get it done against the the Habs. But it's, it's going to be... Definitely uh, something to watch. I mean, the biggest issue for me on the fourth line is what are we going to get out of, you know, guys like uh, Jason Spezza? What are we going to get out of Jimmy VC? Alex Kerfoot has been kind of a Jekyll and Hyde. He'll have a really good game and then he'll have a, a kind of a quiet game, you know, and going up against a team like Montreal, it seems like every night 
they're kind of on their A game. They're playing really well, uh, really good hockey right now, and you can't afford to have those type of lapses against a team so deep like Montreal. So we've talked a little bit about what's going on in the forward lines. We're going to talk about defense and some more specifics in just a moment. I got to tell you guys about Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. And the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. They've got 18 amazing flavors and six brand new flavors that you want to check out. My favorite, cookies and cream. It is fantastic. But they also got caramel brownie, cherry barcia, carrot cake, apple, almond crisp. And that goes along with the other 12 original flavors. And we already know how much I love myself, my peanut butter brownie. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And best of all, the Built Bar is healthy, folks. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy or gal who's looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for the keto diet. Let me tell you a little bit about the peanut butter bar. It's got 19 grams of protein, just 180 calories, just 5 grams of sugar, and only 5 grams of net carbs. I'm telling you. These bars are healthy, they're delicious, they're amazing. You just got to go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll receive 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com. One of the things that's been going really well for the Montreal Canadiens, even better than we expected, was how their defense is playing. Because if you look at it on paper, you know, Shea Weber's aging. Ben Chirot wasn't that great before he came to Montreal. We had a lot of question marks. We felt that way about Brett Kulak. We had huge question marks about, about Joel Edmondson. Alexander Romanov is a rookie. You know, there's a lot of, there were a lot of question marks. Jeff Petrie, we knew was going to be solid. He was kind of the one constant. But the Canadians' defense is playing so well as a unit, as a whole. And the pairings are working out so well. I think Claude Julien has done a really good job of pairing the right people uh, in order to bring out, you know, your, your defense partner's strengths and things like that. And they've been like a huge part of, you know, getting, getting the puck into the Canadian zone. They've been a huge part of scoring. Like Jeff Petrie has so many points right now that yeah. we even started talking about, you know, he should be in the Norris conversation. He's playing really well. We're really happy for him, but you know, Ben Sherratt has been able to shut down a lot of the op- opponent's offense as well, specifically. And Joel Edmondson has not been abjectly terrible (laughs) like we were very worried about him um and in fairness the one bad game he had was against Toronto so we're about to we're about to find out how it goes so I'm curious uh about your opinion about how the Leafs defense is stacking up because before the offseason there were a lot of question marks you know people were talking about how you know they have the stellar uh top top couple of lines especially that top four and then the question marks were all on defense and they made a lot of changes in the offseason. So do you think that's been enough to kind of bolster like the the really the, the fire that they have up front? Yeah, I think 100 uh, percent. And you're right. That was the, the biggest question mark was how is this newly revamped defense going to work? You know, they brought in uh, TJ Brody, gave him a long term deal to, to be kind of um, Morgan Riley's partner for the need for the future. And, and that's pairing has worked out fantastically. They were great the other night in Vancouver. Um, they've really been good all year round. I think uh, TJ Brody's uh, worst game might be, I, well, I, I guess it would be the one game that they lost against Ottawa, but then also didn't play too, too great in the loss or in the win against Montreal. So it's kind of funny. He said Edmondson had a bad game against Toronto. Brody's worst game, maybe uh, <laughs> one of his worst might be against Montreal too. But, Outside of those, uh, you know, the last little bit, they, they've been a, a great first pairing. They've been fantastic. And then Justin Hall is somebody who 
I don't think gets enough respect around the league. Like he, he, his story is so fascinating. He was somebody who was, uh, uh, you know, someone who glued to the press box the entire season a couple of years ago when Mike Babcock was here and, you know, didn't really say anything. He just kind of went about his business, practiced really hard, got in the odd game here and there. I think he might've played four games that entire season. The rest was spent up in the press box eating popcorn and came the next year and, and earned himself a, a role on this team, ended up being a top four man alongside Jake Muzzin. And this year, his game has really risen to, to a level where I'm confident, and, and, and I think this might be the first time I've admitted this, he looked like a top four defenseman. Like, he's playing really solid hockey right now. That duo of Muzzin and Hall as a shutdown pairing has been fantastic. And even Zach Bogosian, someone who came in from Tampa Bay, Fresh off a of Stanley Cup, he was a, a castaway by the Buffalo Sabers. So there was a lot of question marks about, like, do you really want to bring this guy in? Uh, you know, he couldn't even hack it with Buffalo. It was a pretty garbage team, and, and you know <laughs> his his career has been on the downswing for the past couple of seasons. Um, and and you know you just don't know if the foot speeds there to really compete uh, in the NHL anymore. There's just a lot of question marks. But you know what? He started off a little bit slow, but he's rebounded himself too. He's brought some physicality. He's brought some leadership, and he's you know just doing the fine things, the the, the details. He's having laps here and there but overall he, he's actually come uh i would say as advertised he hasn't been better than i expected but he's he's been as advertised as a bottom pairing nhl defenseman which is really what you want out of your third pairing defenseman to be quite honest with you and then when it comes to that kind of sixth defenseman there it's been filtering in and out between miko letnin travis dermott um who's now injured for a little bit uh, and then Rasmus Sandin got his first little taste of action the other night. Only played five minutes, but overall, I, this defense uh, to me certainly has vastly improved over the past uh, couple of seasons, and is a big reason why this team is is you know kind of clicking on all cylinders right now. So I, I want to talk. Sorry, go on. <laughs> I was going to say. I suppose going into this game, I just wanted to ask with. It's becoming very clear in the North Division that it's Montreal and Toronto, and then there's a large gap between the next set of teams, the Calgarys and the Winnipegs, and then there's an even further gap, and it's like the Oilers, and then there's, you know, a monstrous chasm that stretches all time and eternity, and you have the Senators and Canucks. Both <laughs> the Habs and the Leafs have played predominantly the Canucks early in the season. They've played the Oilers a few times is this going to be the kind of game where we see truly what these defenses are made out of? Because like Vancouver obviously is a mess and uh, Ottawa has struggled to kind of do much of anything. We're going to, is this the kind of game now where we're going to see what do uh, what um, Justin Hall has and what Zach Bogosian might have against teams that can actually roll depth across everything and see what, what we're really getting here as opposed to kind of like a team that's a few pieces here or there that can't, put it together to save their lives for sure i think this is a good litmus test for both sides i think the leafs and the canadians uh still kind of had question marks about what they look like against you know kind of uh you know better better opponents i would say than the the canucks and the state and the and the senators teams who they've just been beating up on or having getting beat up on by the entire division so i think uh you know a battle of number one and two certainly will 
will kind of let us know a little bit more about where they stand, not only within the division, but maybe where they stand if they were to play teams outside of the division, where it would, what it would look like to play a solid team, you know, if they make it to the playoffs. Like, I think it, this is going to be kind of a playoff like atmosphere between these two clubs. It normally is when the Leafs and Habs face off against each other, right? This is an original six matchup, a Canadian matchup. You know, I, I really love watching Montreal and Toronto go at it. And we're going to see a lot of it this season. And I think that it's a good thing because these are going to be the biggest tests of the year for both clubs. You know, they're certainly at the top right now. I think Winnipeg, though, has an opportunity to kind of crack into that uh, that that tier that Toronto and and Montreal are in right now. I think getting Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to be huge for them. And also, you know, Hellebuck. Uh, rebounds his game a little bit but I think that certainly this is going to be a uh, a really good litmus test for both sides I think what the important thing that's going to happen over the course of like for at least on the Canadian side over the course of the next three games is that you know everybody's been talking about how they're the real deal and they're good and they're surprising and all of that and and to their credit, they don't seem to have bought into their own hype unless you count that last game that they had against Ottawa, which they ended up winning anyway. Uh, I like I think that the real indicator in this in this um, matchup, especially since there's three games in a row, at least on the Canadian side against the Leafs, is what do they need to do going forward? Because I don't think that, you know, easily beating a Vancouver or even struggling against the Ottawa Senators is a good indicator of what they would need to do to succeed were they to make the playoffs. So I think that's something that's really exciting to look out for. But I also know that there are important keys to the game if either team wants to win. And we're going to talk about that in just one moment. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online as you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So we came prepared for this recording because I know on a locked on lease, you always do three keys to the game. Normally, what we do is we just preview the game and kind of talk about all of the things we want to see happen, but you kind of narrow it down to three specific areas. So what do you think in your mind for the Leafs? What are the three keys to this game for the Leafs? Well, I think, yeah, I think there's, there's a few things that I'm going to be keying in on that I think the Leafs are going to need to do to, to get the win. I think first and foremost, I want to see them get off to, to a quick start, you know, put Montreal on their heels a little bit. Um, they need to, to, to roll the depth and kind of see where they are, where they're at and see where they stack through all four lines. I think if they can hit the score sheet early, get into a big groove, get all four lines buzzing into the lineup, looking good. Uh, I think that's going to be a, a really good indication that uh, it should be a good night for Toronto. If they can do that. My second key, I think they got to just focus on the small details. You know, we've talked about how Montreal, everything's kind of going right for them. They're, they're playing hockey the right way. They're, they're, you know, winning, uh, you know, winning puck battles. They're, they're getting good opportunities they're scoring um i think that toronto is going to have to do 
you know, those little things, try and win every face off, win every puck battle out in front, uh, clear the crease in front of Freddie Anderson. You know, you had some big hogs out there in Montreal. I think uh, Muzzin's going to have to to do some good, uh, some good house cleaning out in front of the goaltender. And then you know, on the other side, also kind of impose your will and get some, uh, get some bodies in front of, of Carey uh, Price, certainly, because, you know, if that guy sees anything, he's going to stop it, which leads me to my third key, and that's going to be Freddie Anderson. This is going to be a goaltending battle. He won a game for Toronto the other night against Vancouver. Uh, I think that he's going to have to come in and play just as stellar. There are some real good players over in Montreal right now. Nick Suzuki looks like uh, he he could be a superstar in this league. You know, Josh Anderson's playing at an elite level right now, along with Tyler Toffoli. So I think that Anderson's going to have to be on his A game in order to match Carey Price, who is always seemingly on his A game. And that's going to be a massive, massive key for uh, for the Leafs if they want to win this game. Scott, what do you think for the Habs are the three main keys to the game? I, I think the biggest thing is, and this was the issue in the first game, and it was an issue against Vancouver before they worked on it a little bit, stay out of the freaking penalty box because <laughs> it's it, it sounds so repetitive and cliche, but as good as Montreal's shorthanded game has been with seven goals on the year, you cannot give guys like Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews more space to operate in on the power play. As good as Carey Price is, eventually pucks do start to go in, and I'd rather not give the Leafs' top stars the best chance out there. We, we saw what happened in the first game. It wasn't even Matthews. It was William Nylander just torturing them. Don't give Toronto that extra space to operate. It's a real good way to just shoot yourself in the foot. We know Montreal can score five, six goals a game, but you don't want to be scoring five, six goals a game to match whatever your penalty kill is giving up. It's a recipe for disaster across the board. So that's key one. Um, and I completely agree with you. And, and I, I even said it on, on lockdown leaves, like the, in the preview for that first game, I was like that, that first line, that, that top uh, penalty, uh, sorry, power play unit, not penalty kill unit, that power play unit on the Leafs gives me nightmares. They're so good. It's, it's like all of the elite players that they, that, that, that exist are on that one power play. The only thing you're missing is like a Vetchkin or something uh, for me. So, so it is a terrifying, um, it's a terrifying uh, unit, but also it's just that the Canadians, like it's hard to defend against players like Austin Matthews on a good night. If you're a good team, like you really don't want to give them the man advantage. So that to me, I think is like, it's huge for the Canadians. And if you look at that first game, they lost it on the penalty kill. So Scott, what are the other two keys for the Habs? I, uh, the other thing is play with speed and play uh, pace is that we've seen how quick Josh Anderson is. We know how good the fourth line can be. Put the Toronto defense on their heels. We know that they're, they're better this year, but in the first game, they forced Zach Bogosian to take a ton of penalties and if they're not comfortable getting set, that goes through all three zones. Morgan Riley has it, – it's not a regular thing, but even Nick Suzuki kind of put him on his heels in their first meeting. You have all these players who can play with speed and pace and force teams back. Don't let them get comfortable. You know, if you push them back, you're going to create that space. And against Ottawa, they kind of got away from that. They played this slow, grinding game, and they looked terrible during it. But when they were running out their horses against Edmonton and against Vancouver and stretching defenses with speed is where they're finding their success. And as this, as Josh Anderson goes, so does that second line. And I think he's going to be a key to getting some of those matchups. If they can get Suzuki, Druin, and Anderson out there against the bottom pairing or 
in a situation that favors them, they can put Toronto on their heels a little bit and then force Freddie Anderson to be the guy there in that, in that game. I think that's, that's a good strategy. And I, and I, and I hope that the Canadians will be able to do it. And that kind of brings something to mind that I'll ask after you, after you mention what our third key is. Uh, and the third key for me is, you know, force Toronto to defend, show that they can actually be this defense and force Freddie Anderson to make saves. Don't just shoot it at the crest. Try to get him moving. You have the guys that can get uh, defenses spread out going east-west trying to defend. If you get people like Tyler Toffoli into the soft space or give Druan and Suzuki space to operate, you're going to make life harder on the goalies. You've got the bodies to be good in front of the net. Force Toronto to actually defend and make the saves. We talk about playing with speed. Once you get into the zone, then make them stop you. Don't stop yourself. Make Toronto stop you in this game. You've proven that you can roll four lines pretty regularly. Now you got to take advantage of that situation and force the team back a little bit and make them earn their victory. Even if it's not easy, make the, make it hard on Freddie Anderson, make it hard on the defense and just, you know, make life miserable in their own zone. Quite simply. <laughs> 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 and that I think I think that's that's kind of the only way you can play this edition of the Toronto Maple Leafs. But it, you know, what you were saying earlier, kind of it brought two questions to mind. So the first thing that I want to say is that you know, with with the right pieces that the Canadians have added this season, uh, it's kind of for me illuminated just how good a coach that um, Claude Julien is. Uh, you know, he, he's he's had this system that's worked really well for so long, but now that he has those big, fast players that are able to finish on 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 their chances you know it's become really evident that it's working out you know the Canadians have always generated or always under Claude Julien have generated a lot of a lot of offense it's just never gone in the net so I wanted to ask you know now that 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 Sheldon Keefe has been around for for I guess time has no meaning but I would say like (laughs) quote unquote a full year if if you consider you know when the coaching change happened November Um, mid-November he came in last November so right I guess with the pandemic you'd never really know exactly how many days that is but (laughs) exactly so so has he been what you've expected uh from him uh and 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 are the Leafs kind of is he the guy that they've needed to bring the best out of these elite superstar players that the Leafs have you know, it's interesting you asked that question because I, I, I was thinking that to myself the other day and then yesterday I was thinking about it. Is it Sheldon Keefe or is it the is it the new additions that Toronto brought in over the offseason? Because earlier in the year I was thinking, yeah, no, Sheldon Keefe has this team clicking on all cylinders. They're they're playing really well. His systems are working. Um, you know, the new assistant coaches that he brought in are are doing a fantastic job. So I think that um, it's it's a little bit of column A and column B, I would say, because then I, I, I witnessed yesterday uh, in the game against Vancouver the loss of Wayne Simmons and what that kind of did for the team and the fact that Joe Thornton is no longer out there. And if Jason Spetz is having a little bit of an off night, you know, those veterans, if they're not, on the team they're not on the bench they're not in the locker room like they have been for the rest of the season I feel like this team played a little bit different last night granted one game sample size and it could be more so you know Vancouver just going out and deciding you know hey I want you know we need to play better and they just had a you know rang uh, answer the bell and just had a good game could very well just be that but I did ask myself that question 
if whether or not what we've seen to this point is more so a factor of the fact that, you know, Austin, Matt, you know, a good locker room culture has been set by bringing in these new guys, or if this was just the fact that Sheldon Keefe has everybody playing extremely well. Like I said, I think it's a, a bit of column A and column B, but I, I also think that the presence that guys like Thornton and guys like Simmons have brought to this team, not only off the ice in the locker room, but on the ice, uh, I think is also important and can't be understated. And a real quick question before we get to predictions. Um, how has Freddie Anderson looked to you? Because uh, before the before the season started, when Scott and I were kind of breaking down the competition, we didn't think that the Leafs were all that strong in goal. And it's not because Freddie Anderson doesn't have the, the ability to be good. I think he lacks the ability to be consistent. Um, and uh, so I was wondering like, what your thoughts are on Freddie Anderson this year. Yeah, you nailed it. Uh, consistency has always kind of been the issue with Freddie Anderson, and he certainly was the X factor going into the year. You know, this team is going to go as far as Freddie takes them. And so far, that's been pretty good. We've actually seen uh, a decent level of consistency from Anderson on a night-to-night basis. Uh, I think the last probably 10 games, maybe a little less, maybe like eight games or so. Uh, he's really been on his A game, and, and I've liked what I've seen out of Anderson. He stole two points from Vancouver the other night for sure uh, when they ended up winning 3-1. So I think Anderson has certainly um, played extremely well this season, but the biggest issue, and, and I believe I told you this you know, when we did our, our season preview at the beginning of the year, this team doesn't care about winning games in the regular season anymore. So yeah, they're winning games right now in the regular season. Freddie Anderson is playing well in the regular season, but ask me at the end of the year, because if he melts again, or this team doesn't make it far into the playoffs, it will be deemed, uh, you know, a, a big failure on Anderson's part. If he's the reason why, you know, they get bounced in the first or second round because he's given up three, four, five goals in the playoffs each night. So we've kind of had uh, goaltending issues uh, of our own on, on, on the Hab side, and they have mercifully uh, added Jake Allen. And, you know, people are saying, is he worth the money? He's more than worth the money. He's kind 100%. of, and, and Carrie, yeah. And Carrie Price has led some think, soft, sorry, go on. <laughs> well, I just, I just, to me, I, I understand, you know, and most Leafs fans understand the importance of a, uh, of, of a backup goaltender, you know, going years with, Garrett Sparks and uh, Michael Hutchinson as your backup goalies, you know, that's not going to do well because then a, you're reluctant to play them. So you're overworking your goaltender and B the nights you have to play your backups. You're basically surrendering two points. That's the way (laughs) it felt. Right. You bring in a guy like Jake Allen and I think he's been, that was a great addition. I, I can't believe the slander you were giving uh, Mark Bergevin before we went into the season saying that he was already (laughs) kind of on the hot seat because what he's been able to do to transform that team going into the year, I thought was remarkable. The moves bringing in a guy like Toffoli on a cheap contract trading for Josh Anderson, obviously has been a home run so far and Jake Allen, which was a small trade, but a meaningful trade because that allowed him to get a goaltender who they trust to play games that carry price is not. And it allows them to give an aging at that aging carry price, a little bit more rest and allow him to kind of rejuvenate himself, get a little bit more time between starts and allow him to be the best he could possibly be. So uh, trust me coming from a lease perspective where backup goaltending has been a massive focal point for years now. Now, Jack Campbell 
is injured, but when he finally came over to Toronto and they solved that goaltending issue and coming into this season, it was a relief that we were no longer talking about it. So I truly do believe that Jake Allen is worth every penny that you guys are paying him this year. Oh, absolutely. And, and the thing is like Carey Price has let in some goals that like are on the highlight reels for the opponents, but he's played really well overall. It's just that you wouldn't know it from, from, from looking at those, you know, at those little things. But I think Jake Allen has been a massive addition and it's been like such a relief. And I, I reiterate my point, like if, if the Canadians fail this season, after all of the changes that, that Mark Bergevin made, I mean, it, it seems to be working out so far, but he put a, he, he traded and he put a lot of money up against the cap. So I think that he really needs to succeed otherwise, or he really needed to succeed. I, I think that the first few games have kind of solidified his position for now. Uh, but, you know, had the, had, had the season not gone well, I think he would have been immediately fired at the end of it. Uh, uh, Scott is not allowed to do predictions. So, <laughs> um, and I know... Hi, <laughs> are you are you the the jinx? Do you give them the kiss of death or what? What's the reasoning for that? Last year, I famously predicted that the Canadians would get eight of eight points in a week against the Senators and some other body bottom feeding teams. I think they were playing the Devils and or the Red Wings or something, and they went zero for four on the week. And since <laughs> oh, then, wow. I am no longer allowed to make predictions on this show. Yeah, they really struggled <laughs> against Detroit last year, huh? Don't want to so talk weird. about it. <laughs> don't want to talk about it. It's bad enough to think that now we got to play with two really bad teams in Vancouver and Ottawa this year. And which one's going to be Detroit this year? I don't want to find out. <laughs> so he I guess it's up to me and you. Sorry. All right. Um, I will predict. I think it's going to be a good, a good close game. I think we could see another overtime game. I'm going to go four, three Leafs will win. in again, in overtime, with the OT winner, I'm going to give it to Mitch Marner. That's my so favorite. I'm going to go with Josh Anderson's going to have a great game. And Tyler Toffoli is going to score the game-winning goal. It's going to be in regulation, and it's going to be 3-2. That is my prediction. All right. We were pretty close last time. You know, yeah. Most of our predictions, <laughs> most of everything that we kind of teed up and said was going to be the keys and what was going to happen, it pretty well went you know, to plan. And, and I would assume that we'll kind of see the same type of game tonight. And maybe then our shows can get together and kind of predict a little bit more misery for the Ottawa senators. If our powers are kind of, if our, if our <laughs> <laughs> predictions are coming true, <laughs> but that's going to be another day, Mike, thank you so much for your time today. Like, I think this has been an awesome insight into how the Leafs are doing. Yeah, no, really appreciate it. Uh, happy to come on. And uh, next time, the Leafs are playing. We'll have to get together and do another crossover pod. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. That's going to do it for me here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms. Receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show at Locked On Leafs. If you want some more hockey talk, be sure to check out the Locked On NHL podcast where myself and four other Locked On hosts discuss the latest around the NHL. I'll be back with another episode tomorrow. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.